This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Thanks for being here today, church. How many people survived the Willamette Valley heat wave this week? I didn't realize we were living in Arizona or Texas, I guess. Um, but God is good. How many people enjoyed it? Anyone crazy enjoy the heat? Okay, there's a few of you. Well, God bless you. We'll pray for your salvation later. Um, at the end of service, there'll be an altar response. I expect you guys up here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it was funny because uh, I was dissing on Texas, I think, either last week or the week before, um, one of the pre-service things. And then I was taking an Uber this week, and my Uber driver had lived in Texas for a long time, it sounds like. Uh, a couple decades maybe, I could be wrong about that. It's not like he lived there for a while, even Philadelphia and California, and he said the best place to live he's lived in is Oregon. So case closed. Even though we had the heat wave, Oregon's still good, and we live in an amazing state. Everyone said amen? If you don't like it, it's fine. You can leave, and I'll, I'll take up the breathable air that you're taking up, but... Anyway, I'm just messing around, having fun. If you're new with us this morning, our video kind of hit on it, but I would encourage you to fill out a connection card. There's a physical copy in the back of your seat. You can also fill out one digitally by the QR code. Um, We'd love to get to know you and make you a part of this community. We'd love to be a part of your life. And so if you have not done that, please do that. The second thing I want to bring to your attention is, will you throw that slide up there for me, Um, is some of you guys may have heard on social media that right now Hawaii is facing some pretty, pretty crazy fires. Um, and there's been a lot of devastation. Last I checked, over 100 people have been killed. I think 3,000 structures have been burned. Billions of dollars have been lost, and so um, we want to practically be the hands and feet of Jesus, so we're going to do that through Convoy of Hope, and if you feel led to give today, follow these steps, but Convoy of Hope is a faith-based humanitarian organization that is boots on the ground in situations like this. From what I read, they're already there. They're going to be there long-term helping out, and so if you feel led to partner with that, please do that. Um, I mean, put yourself in this situation. You'd want the world to help you too. So that's not guilt. That's just the truth of the reality. And I believe humanity, God's made us good and caring. He's called us to serve. So if you feel led to do that, please do that. Um, And we will make sure it gets there. Um, I kind of prayed about it, but my wife is home sick. This is like the millionth Sunday in a row. She's not been here. So if people ask, I'm just putting it from the um, platform. Text her that you miss her. Pray for her. She's probably watching online right now, judging me. No, just kidding. She's like, God, help him not to say something stupid. That's what she's praying. Uh, She's going to smack me for that one later. Um, Announcer number four is PK and Pastor Ron. I pray for them too. They're on vacation still. I encourage you to send them a text of encouragement. Say that you love them, miss them. Um, They're off getting filled. Um, and taking a break like all of us should, right? We should all be taking breaks. And so I encourage you to reach out to them. But with that being said, we're ste- stepping into week four of a series we've been in called This Is. This Is. For some reason, I just keep thinking, of, I think it's, who's the song by? Is it, it's like you and me, all of the people. I don't know if you heard that song, but for some reason, every time I like think of the series now, that just pops in my head. So you're welcome for that. Anyway, you're like, that didn't matter. That's what Allie was praying for right there, that that wouldn't come out. Anyway. Uh, the question we've been asking in this series is, who are we as Relevant Life Church called to be? Who are we as Relevant Life Church called to be? What is the unique identity that God's placed on this community? And this series looks a little bit different. Throughout the year, we'll spend a lot of time talking about your life, how to help you, how, how God's word helps you. We'll talk about God's call on the believer's life, on, our, on the capital C church's life. But this series, we wanted to take nine weeks, and we just wanted to focus on what's the identity of RLC. So yeah, some of these things apply to all believers, but these are what God has led us to. And so I encourage you to press in. If you're new with us, this is a little bit of a taste of who we are. So I encourage you just to take notes on that. The first week, Pastor Kevin talked about that our identity and our values must be pursued, protected, and promoted. Say pursued. Pursued. Say pursued. Pursued. 
Say protected. protected. And say promoted. promoted. That's weak, but we're going to work on that too. Um, but yeah, it's really important that you pursue and protect and promote what you want because values and identity, they don't just happen. You don't just stumble upon something. You choose what you want and then you pursue it. And so um, we've talked about the first week serving. If you hear Pastor Jesse preach an amazing message on that, can we give it up for him real quick in the back? As Relevant Life Church, we endeavor to meet the needs of others through giving ourselves and our resources, right? Jesus served us so we could serve. God blessed us so we could bless. God gave of himself so we could give to others. And so we believe that at Relevant Life Church. Last week, Pastor Larry, is he in the house today? We give it up for him anyway. Uh, he preached on, right there, he's sitting in the back right in the middle so he can slap me later if I mess up too. Everyone just wants to slap me, clearly. I don't know what's happening, but... Anyway, he preached on Christ-centered, and he talked about having an intimate relationship with Jesus that, that really defines your entire life, how you filter life, what you base your life off of. And so that was a great message. And today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Turn to your neighbor and say, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Say it louder, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. As Relevant Life Church, we aim to be obedient to and directed by the living Holy Spirit of God. Now, this is a great core value, one that is a key piece of Relevant Life Church. We, we aim to be Holy Spirit-led. We live a lifestyle that says, Holy Spirit, lead us. But this week, as I was working on this message, I just kept feeling something in my heart that was, like the direction I was going was not the right direction for this message. And I wrestled with it all throughout the week, kept putting it off. I was like, I had a different message in mind. I'd been working on this topic for a while, and I was like... I'm going to preach this regardless. And Thursday, I began to flesh out my message, and it just was not working. It was not, it was not coming together, and I just was like, I need to change directions. I had started writing some stuff, and I was like, I need to go on this direction. So I got permission from the boss, both God and PK. And uh, Pastor Kevin, yeah, I made sure he was cool with it. I'm like, I could change a core value without the lead pastor being willing to listen. So, um, but I, I changed direction. Today, I want to just talk about the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what your relationship with is the Holy Spirit, but I'm excited. It's going to be a basic message. Some of you may have heard this before. Some of you may have never heard this. But I believe that today God wants to reveal a part of his character to you. Because the Holy Spirit is God. And we're going to get into that more. But I, I believe that too many people are missing out who the Holy Spirit is. And God in this last year has really been revealing to me through my schooling and just my own, my own time about the Holy Spirit. And um, I, I hope that today you walk away with a, a, a challenge and healthy hunger to pursue the Holy Spirit in your life. And again, I, some of you may be like, I've been so confused about the Holy Spirit. Yes, some of you are like, this sounds trippy already. The supernatural is kind of crazy. I don't know, but God wants to meet you. And so can you just open your heart today? We're gonna um, pray here in a second, but just begin to open your heart. Say, God, I believe you have something for me today. So if you have your Bibles, would you, would you turn with me to chapter 19 of the book of Acts, Acts 19. The title of my message this morning is Holy Spirit Who? Turn to your neighbor and say, Holy Spirit Who? Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19. I want to read just two verses this morning. It says, um, Paul arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And their answer, I think, should surprise all of us. They said, no, we have not even heard of the Holy Spirit. We've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit who? God, would you just be with us today? God, as we dive into this, God, as we dive into who you are, God, I pray that you just anoint my words. God, I pray that, God, people in here, God, would sense your presence. God, I, there's nothing that I can do to control this, God, but I can give it to you. God, I can, I can reveal who you are, God, and let you do the rest. So I pray that you show yourself to people today. God, I believe there's people that have been um, running dry, God, in their relationship with you. God, I believe that there's people that feel depressed, God, because no matter what they try, they just can't get it right. God, I believe there's people that feel like they're just missing something, God, and I believe the Holy Spirit can fill that void. God, I believe the Holy Spirit can empower us, and so today I just speak life and hope. In Jesus' name, everyone said, 
Amen. So if I were to go around the room today and ask you who the Holy Spirit is, what would you say? How would you describe the Holy Spirit? Would you feel confident in the answer that you were given? If I were to ask you, what does the Holy Spirit do in your life? What would you say? Would you know? See, I wanna, I'm asking these questions today not to cause condemnation in your life, but because I believe that there's an elephant in the room a lot of times in church that is the Holy Spirit and our lack of understanding who he is. We talk about him, right? We sing about him like, Holy Spirit, you are well. Like we would sing the songs, right? He's referenced in messages. We hear him talked about, but at the end of the day, so often there's so many gaps between who the Holy Spirit is and our understanding of him. And my point in bringing this up is I'm afraid that the predicament Paul found himself in Acts 19 is what we find ourselves in today. There's a lot of Christians that have repented and given their life over to Jesus as Lord and Savior, but they fail to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. They stop short and they're missing a key piece, if not the key piece of their Christian life. Jesus didn't die just so you could have forgiveness of sins. He died so that you could have the power of the Holy Spirit come into your life. He made way for that in your life. Francis Schaeffer alluded to this when he wrote, if I woke up tomorrow morning and found out that all the Bible teaches concerning the Holy Spirit was removed, what difference would it make from the way that I am functioning today? Ask yourself that. If if tomorrow the Holy Spirit was removed from the Bible, what difference would it make in your life? Some, none at all, maybe a lot. I don't know. What, What is your relationship? How much do you depend on the Holy Spirit? How much do you think about the Holy Spirit? He goes on to say, the simple tragic fact is, fact is that in much of the church, there would be no difference whatsoever. We function as though the supernatural were not there. We function as if God's power moving in and through humanity is a thing of the past. It breaks my heart when I hear certain people or certain denominations or things go, oh, the gifts of the Spirit, what happened in Acts, that was reserved just to get the church started. That's, that's, a, that's a gross misinterpretation of looking at the power of the Holy Spirit, a gift that God wanted you to have. I mean, like, do you imagine Tony Stark walking around without an Iron Man suit? Like, I mean, like, you're talking about just a key part of our identity when we, when we dismiss the Holy Spirit. And I'm not here to blame anyone for this dick, for predic, uh, predicament. I don't, think, I don't think there's any specific person that can be blamed. I think there's a lot of factors at play. I think the, the church has at times failed to talk about the Holy Spirit. I think that um, there's a lack of pursuit um, on the part of believers to seek after the Holy Spirit. They make excuses that, oh, I haven't been told, so it's not my responsibility. I think that the Holy Spirit could arguably one of the, be one of the most difficult parts of our faith to understand. And so for some people, because it's difficult, they'd rather just ignore it. They'd rather not press in. The Holy Spirit has, has somehow become the distant third cousin of the Godhead, and we've, just, we've dismissed him. Stephen and David Olford wrote, If the sin of the Old Testament times was the rejection of God the Father through the nation of Israel, and the sin of the New Testament times was the rejection of God the Son through the religious leaders, then the sin of our times is the rejection of God the Holy Spirit. And this may seem a bit harsh, but there's some truth to it. See, the Holy Spirit seems to have been tucked away for the only super-duper spiritual or for denominations that are a little more charismatic and crazy than others, right? Like, I remember at Shemekeda, I was taking a worldview class, and they showed us a Pentecostal church. I've grown up a Pentecostal church my whole life, been in other churches. And the, the thing they showed was the most crazy-looking thing ever. And I, if God was there, fine, so be it. But I'm like, is that what we're tying the Holy Spirit to? Because we're missing the point. Gordon Fee writes, the spirit as an experience and empowering reality was for Paul and his churches the key player in all of Christian life from beginning to end. He covered the whole waterfront, power for life, growth, fruit, gifts, prayer, witness, and everything else. 
The Holy Spirit is essential. Our life in God, in Jesus, was not meant to be lived without the Holy Spirit. It was supposed to be salvation, receive the gift. And so often we just stop at salvation. Oh, you got your your ticket to heaven, you're good. No, the Holy Spirit's supposed to come and fill your life and to change you, transform you, make you in the likeness of Jesus, to empower you to do what you were not able to do on your own. There should be a part of us of every believer, every day that wakes up like Moses in Exodus 33 and says, God, if your presence doesn't go with me today, do not send me up from here. What else will distinguish me from the rest of the people on this earth if your spirit is not in my life? And I don't want to knock on Jesus. Jesus is still front and center. I want to make that clear. But at the end of the day, Jesus is good news. The Holy Spirit is what allows you to live in that good news. It's God's spirit inside of you. Otherwise, you're just living religion. You're just, you know of this amazing man, but you've lost the ability to live within how he's called you to live. So what's the answer today? Well, Relevant Life Church, we believe in the person and power of the Holy Spirit. And so there's not a specific core value tied to this other than the fact that we believe in the Holy Spirit and we believe that he should be in your life. And I believe that every person can have him. We believe that the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, fills the believer and empowers the believer to walk the life that God has for them. A life that would be impossible to walk any other way. And that's a value that drives us. That's a value that we protect, promote, and pursue. We want each person to be filled to be overflowing with God's Spirit. We want each person to be emboldened by the Holy Spirit. So often we talk at, at Relevant Life Church about being a witness for Jesus. You realize that in the New Testament, the, 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 the disciples were so emboldened because they had the Holy Spirit in them. I'm going to get into it later, but Peter was transformed and preached in front of thousands after being timid and denying Jesus because the Holy Spirit filled his life. So it's not something that you have to strive for. The Holy Spirit can lead you into conversations. Relevant Life Church believes the Holy Spirit is essential. So today I want to take some time to look at the Holy Spirit. And again, this may be just super basic. I'm going to have some slides that I encourage you to take photos of. Go look at them yourself, the scriptures. Um, but I want, to, I want to just kind of give an overview of the Holy Spirit and then invite you to welcome it into your life. So point number one, where should I begin within regard to the Holy Spirit? You need to first understand who the Holy Spirit is. You need to understand who the Holy Spirit is. By raising hands, how many of you have ever gotten off um, in a relationship on the wrong foot? Like, I don't know if the person was rude or like there was just obvious tension or they bothered you, but there was just, you got off on the wrong foot. This week I was thinking about moments in my life where I've gotten off on the wrong foot with a person and now there's someone that's important in my life. And one in particular came to mind about my wife, Allie. And uh, I'm gonna share this this morning. I checked with her and uh, Bethany and Zach are gonna get extreme appreciation out of this because I was a freshman in high school and uh, I was the leader of our youth worship team. We were basically elevation worship at that point. We actually wrote all their songs and sent them off. Stephen Furtick's been stealing them since. But um, if this ever makes it to him, he's like, what is this church? Like elevation? Yeah, it's fine. Anyway. Um, anyway, and this one night at youth group, Allie comes. I think she was interested in getting involved with our youth group. And so she came. Bethany had her come, um, come be a part of the service. And afterwards, Bethany pulled us aside into a different room. And she kind of just... I don't even remember, was unpacking the night. The only thing I remember is that Bethany asked Allie to share kind of her thoughts about the night. And all I remember is Allie going like, yeah, the youth worship team's kind of arrogant. That's the only thing I remember. And immediately I'm like, who is this lady? Like, what, what does she think she's doing? Like, does she know who I am? Like, this is what I'm thinking. So you can say we got off on the wrong foot, but long story short, we've been married for just over four years and uh, God still has her in my life, playing the role of the Holy Spirit, reminding me of my imperfections at times. <laughs> Although there's few, okay, it's fine, but uh, she's at home, and if she was here, she'd be, uh, I don't know, throwing things at me from the front row, but uh, 
The reason I bring this up today is I think that a situation like this, like that many of us have encountered in human-to-human interaction is oftentimes how I think our relationship with the Holy Spirit begins. I think somewhere down the line when, we, when we've, we've uh, heard about the Holy Spirit, we've gotten off on the wrong foot. Whether that's because of misunderstanding, lack of knowledge, improper knowledge, we find ourselves in a spot that is confused on who the Holy Spirit is. Maybe we're even put off because it's easier to ignore than embrace so much of the un- unknown. So today I want to begin with some, let's say, corrective theology to kind of just go, okay, so let's just look at a basis of the Holy Spirit. And I think there could be so many passages that could be preached on. There's so much that could be said. So this is not all-encompassing, but I just want to start with a good foundation. So there's two specific things I, need, I think you need to know. The first one is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Say, the Holy Spirit is a person. Despite the many ways he has been symbolized, he's not a ghost, he's not wind, he's not fire, he's not a dove, he's not an it, he's not just a force. The Holy Spirit is God. He's a person. He's omnipotent, meaning all-powerful. He's omniscient, meaning all-knowing. He's omnipresent, meaning present, uh, uh, present everywhere at all times. And as Christians, we believe he's a part of what is called the Trinity. The Trinity, by definition, is one God and three eternal persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They all have existed from the beginning. One is not greater than the other. Not one of them was an afterthought. Each has distinctions, but each is God. There is a perfect unity between them, which could be a whole other sermon that God expects us to live in community, and he's doing it within his own being. Over the years, people have tried a lot of different ways to explain the Trinity. They've used water. It's a liquid, it's solid, a gas at the same time. They've used an apple, it's peel, core, and the seeds. They've used an egg, it's a shell, it's yolk, it's egg white. They've used Play-Doh. You can mix the three colors together, you can see into um, different parts. But at the end of the day, all these illustrations fall short. And at the end of the day, no matter how much you try to grasp this, it takes faith. I've gone to school and learned about the Trinity, and I still am not confident that I could write a paper explaining the Trinity, just because it's so confusing at times. Every time I start to get past one door, another door pops open. I'm like, I, I'm, it's hard to grasp. But God doesn't ask for perfect understanding. He asks for faith. And in our American westernized culture where we have logic to everything, everything, there's logic, there's explanation. Sometimes we logic God out of the equation. Our faith calls us to embrace the Trinity, but despite that, some people still set aside the Holy Spirit because he's complex. See, we look at Scripture, and we clearly see a face put to God. We see God interacting, God the Father. We see Jesus clearly, right? He came and wore flesh and walked among us, so it's clear we can see his face. But then we get to the Holy Spirit, and it's harder to put a face on him in comparison to the other parts of the Trinity. But the reality is the Bible presents who the Holy Spirit is in personal ways also. And this is something that was made really clear to me in my master's. And it challenged me this past year to, to, to let go of the improper understandings I have of the Holy Spirit. Gordon Fee made a list, and I encourage you to take a photo of these slides or get on version. I'm just going to read through these. And there's, there's verses attached. But this is really cool because what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to give you a lot of scripture that you personally can search. But the Holy Spirit is described in personal ways. The Spirit searches all things. He knows the mind of God. He teaches the content of the gospel to believers. He dwells among or within the believers. He accomplishes all things. The Spirit gives life to those who believe. The Spirit cries out from within our hearts. The Spirit leads us in the ways of God. The Spirit bears witness with our own spirits. The Spirit has desires that are in opposition to the flesh. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Does it continue on, I think, the next slide too? He intercedes on our behalf. He works all things together for our ultimate good. The Holy Spirit strengthens the believers. He's grieved by our sinfulness. The Holy Spirit, the fruits of him indwelling us are the personal attributes of God. So the Holy Spirit is not an it. Even though it's hard to grasp, he's a person. 
So when you're talking about the Holy Spirit, you're talking about God. And I don't know why this has become so difficult. Even in my own life, we separate him. No, he's God. You're interacting with God. He's not some elusive thing to be scared of. He's, he's God. So that's the first thing. The second thing you need to understand about the Holy Spirit is that he's a promise fulfilled. And I think some of us know this, but I want to just quickly jump from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Again, this is not completely exhaustive, but I want you to see that he's a promise fulfilled, that he's not just reserved for a certain time period of history. He was talked about, given, and he's still supposed to be active in our life. In the Old Testament, in the middle of Israel's consistent years of failure to do what God had called them to do, God makes a promise that a day is coming with a new covenant where he says in Ezekiel, I will sprinkle clean water and you will, you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit inside of you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. In other words, in this moment, God was speaking of a day in the future where his spirit would be poured out on all of humanity, that they may be transformed and empowered to walk in his ways, that the veil was torn and his presence would live inside of every person that claimed him as Lord and Savior of their life. This was a promise in Numbers, in a completely different circumstance before this prophecy was even given, we see Moses longing for a day like this. In Numbers eleven twenty nine, he says, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put a spirit on them. In this moment, he was weary from leading the nation of Israel, being the sole bearer of the spirit of God. And he said, if only all these people could have God's spirit, man, like what difference would this make? Man, what Moses would have given to be there when John the Baptist showed up on the scene in the New Testament and said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John the Baptist was talking about the Holy Spirit, the promised spirit that would be given to everyone who gave their life to God. And as the story unfolds, we see Jesus talking to his disciples in John chapter 16. He says, Very truly, I tell you, it is good that I'm going away, because unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, It's better that I leave so that you can receive the Holy Spirit than me stay. That's why in the moments before him leaving earth, before his ascension in Acts, he says, Wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. The Holy Spirit is a gift and he's a promise for you to have. This is who he is. This is who he is. Which leads us to the second thing we need to begin to understand. We, don't need, we, we need to step beyond just understanding who he is and then begin to understand what he does. So what, the number two is understand what the Holy Spirit does. What does he do in our life? The question needs to be asked, why would Jesus tell his disciples in John that it's better that he should leave? Every, every Christian should wrestle with this and know the answer to this. You're talking about God in flesh, face-to-face -face with humanity, talking to these people, communicating on behalf of God. Why is it good that he would leave earth? Why would he say that? Jesus said this because what the Holy Spirit would do, from the, do for them from that day forward was more important than what Jesus could do from that point on. See, Jesus came and he died on the cross for your sins. He broke the chains of sin and death. He, he, he sat down at the right hand of God. He's now sitting in heaven and he, he's our access into God's presence. But he did that so God could pour out his presence inside of you. So that God would look at you and see Jesus inside of you. That, he, that no longer you would be defined by your sin, but you'd be defined by Jesus who came and wore flesh and died for you. 
He made way for every person who accepts him and is able to have a relationship with God, receive God's spirit inside of them. So Jesus was saying he needed to leave so God could begin to pour his spirit out. And with that outpouring, a lot of things happen in the life of a believer. And uh, Gary Tyra in his book, Getting Real, made an amazing list. And he's a theologian, so he uses really big words. Um, and I'm going to, I'll kind of put these up there, take a photo, um, and I'll try to maybe use some different words as I go through. But at the end of the day, this, this is a list of some of the things the Holy Spirit does. So the Holy Spirit enables Christ followers, so Jesus followers, to experience the new birth and new life in Christ. He assures us that we have become God's children. He leads us into a deeper and ongoing interaction with the risen Spirit. The Holy Spirit serves as a guarantee of our heavenly inheritance. The Holy Spirit inspires us toward a vital, joyful, prophetic, theologically real worship experience. The Holy Spirit manifests the risen Christ's presence and power in our lives in various edifying, community-building, ministry-engendering ways. In other words, he empowers you to live that life. He empowers us to obey God's moral commands by enabling us to overcome habitual sinful tendencies and producing within us the character traits and ethical virtues of Jesus instead. He intercedes for us and through us according to the will of the Father. He empowers us to boldly bear witness to the risen Christ. He provides us with an amazingly precise degree of ministry guidance. He motivates us to stand firm in our faith and to intercede for others in this regard. He endows us over and over again with a dynamic, despair-defeating sense of hope. And this, again, is not all exhausting. Gary Tyra goes on to say, all the effects listed above indicate how very important the Holy Spirit is to the Christian life. He does this and so much more. I don't even know if like, I didn't check the verses all the way, but like, I, didn't, I didn't go look at his references, but I, I don't even know if he included the fruits of the Spirit in there. I mean, this is the Holy Spirit does in our life. In my master's, one of my favorite things that was pointed out to me was how the Holy Spirit was so active in the Old Testament, although we only typically miss that because we're looking at the New Testament. And one of the examples that was used was in Exodus 31 when, um, when there was kind of some history being talked about, about the tabernacle, tabernacle being built. And this is what it says. Then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have chosen Beze- Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. I filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to gauge in all kinds of crafts. In other words, God poured out a Spirit to help his people accomplish a task that would glorify him. I think sometimes we reserve the Holy Spirit to just these super-duper spiritual things. God poured his Spirit out so this guy could be a craftsman, to have the ability to glorify him. So you're telling me the Holy Spirit's not applicable to your job and your life? You're telling me the Holy Spirit can't, can't, can't empower you to make different choices, to think differently, to, to work in your life, to make you better, to do, accomplish what God wants you to do? The Holy Spirit is not some add-on or plan B. He is the plan. He's not a suggestion. He is a gift that God means for us to have. The Holy Spirit is the greatest determining factor in our lives. Charles Spurgeon wrote, Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind or chariots without steeds or horses. In modern day translation, you're like Iron Man without Jarvis. Like you're missing something, okay? Like (laughs) Jesus didn't even begin his ministry until the Holy Spirit came upon him. And I don't know how we miss this. In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus gets baptized and the Holy Spirit comes and fills his life. He's immediately led into the wilderness. His his ministry begins. Like Jesus wasn't doing what he did without the Holy Spirit either. The Holy Spirit is what makes the good news come come a reality. If you don't believe me, look at the end of the Gospels through, through through the beginning of Acts and look at Peter. 
How did Peter go from called by Jesus, complete abandonment to where he said, Jesus, I'm going to die with you no matter what, to denying him three times, to going back to his, um, his profession of fishing, to probably hiding in fear of death because his, his Lord and Savior was captured, to all of a sudden, some, some speculate 50 days later, preaching to thousands of people, um, proclaiming who Jesus was, healing a lame man, standing before the people probably that killed Jesus, religious leaders, and claiming that they killed Jesus and that Jesus is the Lord and Savior. How did that, how did that happen? It wasn't Peter just went and read his Bible a bunch. The Holy Spirit came in Peter's life. It transformed him. It took, the whole, it took Peter from, from failing to be what Jesus kept calling him out of him and making him into it. It took the knowledge and brought life to it. And the Holy Spirit can do the same thing for you today. He can guide you. He can empower you. He can transform you. He can help you. He can comfort you. He can speak to you. He can gift you. He can produce godly fruit in your life. I think some of us have been so lost not knowing what's next. I love in Acts 16 how practically the Holy Spirit guides Paul. It says Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of um, Phrygia and Galatia, having, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word of God in the province of Asia. So they were kept from, from doing this by the Holy Spirit. When they came to the border of um, Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. He was literally leading them step by step. And you have to factor in, like, they had learned, and this was going to be a part of my other message, like, it's not like God always speaks to us audibly. Sometimes you have to learn how the Holy Spirit speaks in your life through peace or lack of peace. But this is something you can develop. And these, this is, I don't know how, how the Holy Spirit spoke to them in this moment, but clearly they knew what his voice was like. Some of you are so discouraged by the same mistakes that you keep making over and over again. How do people go from completely strung out on addiction and all these different things to just in one encounter with Jesus transform? I believe the Holy Spirit comes in their life, transforms them. You can pray, Jesus, it could be a thorn in your flesh that he wants you to work, but you can say, Jesus, I need the spirit of God to come in and change my mouth. I need the spirit of God to change these habits. This is something that I have been praying in my life. There's so many things that I keep doing over and over. I'm like, Trent, stop doing that. And I'm like, why am I trying on my own? The Holy Spirit was given to me to help me overcome these things. John Stott wrote, the Christian life is essentially life in the spirit. That is to say, a life which is animated, sustained, directed, and enriched by the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, true Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, indeed impossible. The Holy Spirit's not just a great idea. He is, like, he is the plan. You need him, and he's given to you. Which leads us to the third thing today. We need to seek more of the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by this? One thing that's confused me um, a lot of years when it comes to the Holy Spirit is sometimes you'll hear people talk about you receiving the Holy Spirit when you get saved, and then it almost seems like there's another point in time where you can get the Holy Spirit, and we would call the baptism the Holy Spirit. So I want to just try to bring some clarity to this. When you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit invades your life. And I know this because um, in Ephesians, Paul talks about the Holy Spirit being a seal or a guarantee of eternal life. God's own Spirit comes in you and stamps you. And, and basically says, like, no, that's, this is God's. He's in you. He's filled your life. So every person that accepts Jesus has the Holy Spirit. But from here, we can have greater experiences of the Holy Spirit. Some people will call this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Some people will call this being filled with the Holy Spirit. I love how Frank Machia describes it. 
He said, there is indeed only one reception of the Holy Spirit, and that's when we accept Jesus in our heart. Though we certainly can continue to drink from the Spirit and experience decisive moments of overflowing in ways that carry different experiential accents. So he can gift you. I mean, Paul talks about this. There's different moments, like we've heard of the gift of speaking in tongues. There's different things where the Holy Spirit can pour out greater in your life. He goes on to say, one may speak of spirit baptism as anchored in the gift of the spirit granted at initiation to Christ, but then released or received experientially in greater fullness at subsequent moments. In other words, you can have more of the Holy Spirit. You can seek more of the Holy Spirit. You can ask for more of the Holy Spirit. In Luke, it says, which of, our fa- which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You just have to ask. This is something that is available to all believers, but it takes effort on our parts. It takes an expectancy and desire. Gary Tyra quotes Gilbert Bilizekian saying, being practically shut out of the lives of Christians and their churches, the Holy Spirit does not force his way into them. Every instance of the intervention of the Holy Spirit reported in the New Testament indicates that he cooperates actively in situations where he is expected and where he's wanted. What Bill Bill Ezekiel seems to be suggesting here is that when it comes to the intervention of the Spirit in the lives of believers, a sense of eager expectancy tends to precede, perhaps even precipitate experience. In other words, the Holy Spirit comes where he's wanted. PK has said before, you can have as much of God as you want. And this is true of the Holy Spirit. You can have as much. You can consecrate your life. You can give it over. You can say, Jesus, fill me head to toe. I need, I need all the Holy Spirit. I cannot do this life without you. I'm desperately, we just saying, I need you more. You can say that in your life. And God's going to pour out the Holy Spirit. And at Relevant Life Church, a life immersed and drenched in the Holy Spirit is something we want to pursue, protect, and promote. We don't want to just talk about it. We don't want to just sing about it. We don't want to just reference it as a thing of the past, thinking, man, that's cool. No, we want to experience the supernatural in our, in our church, in our services. It's why when we host, we say, are you expecting it for God to move today? God comes where he's welcome. Yes, he can move past you. He did it with Paul. But at the end of the day, he also moves where a heart is hungry for him. So how do we do this in closing today? I really wrestled with where to land this message this week, but then God just reminded me of a passage of scripture that um, our district youth director had, uh, has recently kind of claimed as a theme um, over our, our network of churches, our youth ministries of, of the state of Oregon. And it's found in chapter, or in Exodus 33. And we uh, see in here an example set by Joshua that I think needs to encapsulate this core value. Exodus 33, says this, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went in, the pillar of the cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Now, if you just breeze over this, you might not catch it, but that last line said Moses would return to camp, but his young aide Joshua would not leave the tent. 
And if you know how the story unfolds, Joshua would later become the leader of the nation of Israel. He would take over the mantle from Moses. But I can't help but think in this moment, before he needed God's presence in his life to lead the nation of Israel, he was just hungry for God. He saw his mentor speaking face to face and he just said, I want a glimpse of that. So he would stay behind. And our DYD calls this um, staying in the tent, the posture of staying in the tent. And that's what Relevant Life Church is gonna be called to. That's what we wanna protect, pursue, and promote. We wanna stay in the tent. We want more of God's face. We, ought, we want to experience him in our day-to-day lives. And this is, this is gonna come with not a cost because it's a free gift, but it is gonna come with you like walking out the life that welcomes the Holy Spirit. It is a gift that's given to you, but like the Holy Spirit's not gonna just, uh, the, the Bible talks that we can grieve him, that we can quench the spirit. He's not gonna just stay present and active where someone's consistently ignoring how he's telling them to live. He's not gonna, he's not gonna participate in something that is a counter against what God has for you. And so today as I close, I can't help but think of all the, whole, of all the things the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life the gifts he wants to give you, the guidance he wants to give you, the encouragement he wants to give you, the empowering he wants to give you, the life transformation he wants to bring. And I think the enemy loves to make us keep the the Holy Spirit closed off in a closet somewhere because he realizes that's our power. And he can mess with you and, and, and he can twist, he can try to twist what God has done in your life or what God speaks to you. And you need the Holy Spirit. So today, if this message resonates with you, I want to, we don't have a lot of time, but I just want to take a moment today. And I want, I want you to, if you want more of the Holy Spirit to ask, I don't think that this is something we can, can strive for. I don't think this is something that we can stir up and make God give us. It's a gift. It's a gift that God gives us. And you already, if you've already accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior in life, the Holy Spirit's in you, but you can have more. And so today I want to just take an opportunity take an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to fill your life. So first of all, with every eye closed, every head bowed, today, if you've not had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the first step. And if you would like one today, can you just raise your hand? Thank you. Anyone else not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Would you guys all pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? I recognize that I've screwed up on my own and I'm in need of you as my savior. I also give you my life as you are my Lord. And I I want to follow you the rest of the days of my life. So you just prayed that prayer. You hadn't prayed it before. You hadn't accepted Jesus. You're now qualified to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's already filled your heart and life. And I love A.W. Tozer as he talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, God can't fill what he doesn't have. So the first step that you have to take is you need to present yourself, say, Jesus, I need you. I love Romans 12. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And you have to do this. I can't pray this for you. So if today, if you want the Holy Spirit, right now, just begin to say, Jesus, I need you. You know what I need from the Holy Spirit, so I just give it to you. God, you know every struggle I have. You know every, every frailty I carry. Jesus, I need your Spirit. God, I need your Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. That's how you do this. And then you just ask. Luke 11 tells us that, God, that God's going to give it. He, those who ask will receive the Holy Spirit. So if that's, if, you, if that's you today and you want it, just take some time today 
And Julie, would you come, come sing? Julie's gonna just sing. We're gonna take a few moments. We have them. If you need to come up to the altar, feel free to do so. If you just wanna sit in your seat, this is not something I can do and I don't, I can't, I'm not gonna put ramifications on it. I believe the Holy Spirit, Spirit can be pulled, poured out in your life. It takes faith and requests. So let's, let's, just, let's just take some time today. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome Come flood this place and fill the just fill every heart and every life, God. God, we just ask for you to come fill this place, God, with your presence. God, fill our heart and our life. God, I pray that the signs would follow, God, people being filled today, God, through gifts, God, through speaking in tongues. God, I pray that people would sense and realize your presence, God. And more importantly than that, God, I pray that there would be such a spirit about us, God, that continues to ask for the Holy Spirit day to day. God, this week I was listening to someone speak and they said that every day we should wake up and ask for the overflowing filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. A new portion every day, just continually seeking, continually asking. God, I don't see anywhere in your scripture where there's any limits put on this. God, there's no limits to your presence being active and present in our lives. God, so the only limits that are existing are the limits we put there, God. So I pray that we would remove those. God, that we would ask. God, that we would seek. God, you are so good. You are so faithful. We just love you today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. I encourage you today, church. Again, I think denominations have put some different boundaries on these gifts. And I think that we as humans and, and our, our attempt to try to understand can put boundaries. But my challenge is just seek God. He's gonna work it out in your life. And I'm not gonna try to stand up here and act like I can understand everything. 
took enough faith to stand up here and boldly declare today is something that I think a lot of us don't even tap into in our life. And so I just wanna challenge you to seek more of him. Seek more of him every day. Put a reminder on your phone. Say, Jesus, I thank you for the gift of life that you've given me. Holy Spirit, fill me today. You already know the interactions I'm going to have. You already know the situations I'm going to run into. And I need to be overflowing with your presence in my life. Let Exodus 33 where Moses said, God, if your presence doesn't go with me, I'm not going. Let that be the cry of your heart. I believe God will move. Amen. Well, thanks for being here today, church. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you in the weeks to come. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.